0: to the New Money Review podcast, The Future of Money in 30 Minutes. I'm Paul Amory, the editor of New Money Review. My guest for this episode is Townsend Lansing, who is Chief Commercial Officer at Token Market. Townsend is a lawyer and former investment banker. As a journalist, I've known Townsend for over a decade. He always has interesting, nuanced views on how financial markets are regulated and the way financial products can be structured and sold. The world of digital assets, cryptocurrencies, utility tokens, initial coin offerings and initial exchange offerings can be very confusing. Just that list of terms gives an indication of how confusing that can be. And that's even to those who have worked in this area for a while. So I wanted to ask Townsend on this podcast about his impressions of this fast growing market after switching from traditional finance. I started by asking him to explain what Token Market does.
1: We are are building um, kind of a next generation um, platform to allow kind of rapid growth technology startups to quickly access early stage financing through the issuance of security tokens on blockchain. So very much linked into um, kind of not only helping give companies the technology behind kind of tokenizing securities, but also helping them distribute them, distribute those securities, whether to kind of retail investors and crowdfunding, uh, as well as kind of private placements all the way up the uh, up the, the chain of investors, you know, family offices, high worth individuals, and, and working on the adoption process for even um, wider variety of institutional investors to get involved. And then, you know, kind of longer term roadmap um, plans that we have involve the creation of kind of regulated MTFs, to allow for secondary market liquidity
0: okay um i noticed from doing some internet searches uh, before um we started this call that um a, a couple of years ago token market described itself as an ico yeah. launchpad or as a kind of informational portal for uh, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: initial coin offerings yeah, yeah. so um, is it just an evolution from icos towards very security
1: much tokens. i mean we were you know Token Market was a very early adopter of kind of uh, providing software, as well as distribution services um, to uh, issuers interested in the ICO process. Um, clearly, as you know, we all know, you know, ICOs for for a wide variety of justified reasons um, are are probably not not really that popular. I mean, there are a few so-called now IEOs, but by and large, I think the industry, you know, the the, the digital asset industry, recognized that. The kind of ability to to arbitrage regulations by seeking to issue kind of utility tokens, which may or may not be securities, um, was coming to an end. And so, in many ways, it was it was very much of a natural evolution of the work we'd done. We've done a lot of work with some interesting companies, many, uh, most of whom are still around and and are actually um, continuing on with their plans um, and 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 working on supporting the infrastructure around the tokens they issue. But there's a real realization that you know the the token industry had to move into kind of the regulated space and this and in this is it's really around securities
0: Okay so just i mean um i, I know it's a, a challenge for all of us uh, and and especially for people who are new to this area but yeah. that the terminology uh, yeah. can be quite confusing you know you've got digital assets you've got tokens you've got security tokens initial coin offerings which are now as you as you mentioned some people have, have kind of changed into initial exchange offerings with an exchange sort of kind of standing between the the project that's gaining finance and the uh, and the investor uh, you know is it possible to, to kind of simplify things put things on a spectrum i mean where where does where do we what's the best way of yeah, I mean, um, I
1: mean, tr- trying to understand what's you know, going on as much as i can but i guess you can i mean the industry started to go back to the evolution point in many ways with um a lot of rapid growth technology kind of startups who involved in, in in distributed ledger technology so kind of the idea of the blockchain which is you know um uh Essentially, a database that works on a consensus mechanism and is decentralized. So, whereas most databases have a central authority, kind of blockchains tend to be the authority over over what's recorded on the in the database is kind of distributed and controlled by all the participants. Um, that's you know kind of one element, and and digital assets then refers to the fact that along with blockchain technology came kind of so called cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Um, you know, Ethereum, Ripple, other types of, 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 of new asset classes that were being issued off these blockchains. And, you know, from that, from those early beginnings where I think, you know, I think, I hope, you know, I imagine many of your listeners are, are aware, you know, a lot of people begin to think, okay, what can we do with some of these blockchains? With Ethereum, how can we issue initial or, or additional kind of apps or services that involve decentralized blockchains? And, and, you know, how can we represent those? And, and, um in many ways, that would led to the growth of kind of tokens and, and, and what we call digital assets, which really are just kind of a digitalized f- recording of some asset on, on a blockchain. And you know, in, in the case of the, 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 the ICOs, those mostly are the initial coin offerings, those most related to companies kind of coming out with with some service or, let's say utility. So Envision, a, a software company, Instead of selling its license via issuing the software, it issues a token that gives um, a buyer of that token a right to use that software. So in many ways, kind of this this led to the idea of a utility token, which is you, know, you had a digital representation of a of a right where that you know um, to, to to use a product, and, and and that's kind of trying to bring down as simply as possible. That was the aim of a lot of of the early kind of issuers of these digital assets, these tokens. Um, now, unfortunately, I think as everyone's aware, a bubble developed in, in that space and you had alongside some very interesting companies who genuinely were trying to sell their, their services, their software, um, their products through, through tokens. You also had a lot of kind of what, things ranging from, um, people who didn't really have real ideas all the way down to downright scams and frauds and, you know, the, the questions arose around, well, how does how should these types of assets, these tokens, be regulated? And and in certain jurisdictions like the United States, it was very clear that the regulators came out and said we consider all of these to be securities. Europe is kind of somewhere in the middle, but as the bubble of the the um, initial coin offering, these utility tokens began to fade, and people began to be a lot more skeptical about the value they were they were adding. A lot of issuers, a lot of startups, were coming up. Hey, well, you know, we'll just simply offer. A security, but, but wrapped in, um, a token, which again, is just simply a digital representation on the security on a decentralized blockchain.
0: Oh, can I stop you there for a second, uh, Tansen? so let's, let's just take a step back if we could. Um, so, um, uh, security wrapped in a tokenized form. Let's just go back to a security. So we remind us, a security is a is equity. a share, a share or a or a bond yeah. or something that's yeah. been 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 uh, it's kind of a, a partial ownership or a partial um, rights Own. of uh, you know of pertaining debt or interest on that debt from
1: a particular issue. That's right. And, and I'm sorry, you asked for simplification. I probably didn't deliver it. But yeah. So to step back, I mean, a security is fundamentally either you have a an ownership right in a company that would be a share or equity. Or you've lent the company money. The company's borrowed money, and it's promised to repay you that money, generally with some kind of interest. And that would be then um, a debt or a bond. And you know, you you can use the technology, this kind of blockchain technology and and, and token technology, to represent that share or debt that the company's issuing. So right now, in, in generally, when you buy a share, um, you know, you you we go to, you say a broker, for example, who it is a, a digital representation of the equity, but it's all of the records of that are maintained by a number of counterparties who are constantly having to reconcile and verify. And, and, you know, what we're trying to do is, and what ultimately what blockchain technology is trying to do for financial markets is simplify a lot of that underlying kind of technology that, that stores and records the ownership interests in those securities. Okay, so when you, when you um, issue a security
0: token, you're not changing the underlying security. What you're doing is just representing ownership in a different exactly. way. I mean, yes, exactly.
1: I mean, you can, we, we, ultimately, I think it, it will give rise, you know, all innovation gives rise to new financial products, so new types of securities. But fundamentally, at its most basic, no. You, it is simply companies issuing equity or debt in a new form um, and, 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 and in a new way of recording that. So, and you know, okay. that is, it, it, it's not, um, you know, in many ways, it's not, util, utility tokens were very much a different thing. Essentially, you know, it, utility tokens were, in a lot of ways, very, very different to what had come before. Because, you know, if you imagine Microsoft, when it used to sell a software, it just sold you software. It didn't sell you this kind of potentially tradable token representing the right to that software. So that was much more innovative, if not revolutionary around the way technology kind of startups were selling their services or products whereas security tokens are less revolutionary as it stands, They're, it's just simply companies using the technology to issue traditional debt and equity.
0: Okay, so what are the benefits for the issuers and for the investors of issuing a security token rather than a security? I
1: mean, I think you know, look, it, it's a it's an innovative te- technology. So, kind of when it comes to the why, it's, it, there, there are a couple things to touch on. Um, in terms of ultimately the benefits, I think. You know the, the the financial financial markets infrastructure. So the way capital markets work and the way you know when you buy debt and equity, there are a lot of kind of old inefficiencies there. I think the most obvious case is that there are a lot of in, there's a lot of intermediation required for the recording and kind of registration of who owns what and how. And so there is a lot of hope that you know across the board, blockchain technology will simplify that, because right now you know there are multiple counterparties that have to kind of verify and reconcile and, and and be involved in a transfer or an issuance. And with a decentralized kind of database, you can make that a lot more efficient. And in terms of the other benefits, I think I think you know it's it's still very much an early industry, but there are a tremendous amount of both issuers and investors who are kind of who very much want to be early adopters. So it's, it, it, in many ways, it's being pushed by people who very much believe in the benefits of this technology over the medium to long-term and kind of the innovative opportunities. And they are saying, we want to be involved in helping the adoption of this technology. So we have issuers coming to us and saying, yeah, I could probably issue traditional equity, but I really believe in the long-term trends and, and, and benefits of, of Tokens, digital assets, blockchain, and I want to issue my securities there. We also have investors who I think this 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 pool of investors will grow, but in particular among younger millennials who, you know, they really haven't traditionally been involved in types of securities that you know you and I know very well. So they don't hold brokerage accounts with the big names. What they do know very well is tokens. You know, they've been trading utility tokens, they've been trading Bitcoin and Ethereum, and they're very much wanting to see. They, they're very much wanting to invest in equity in this format. So I think when you see the the, the longer-term benefits of kind of improving infrastructure, reducing costs, creating more efficiencies, along with um, a rising kind of uh, population of people who really believe in that, there's a big why there as to, you know, why people should adopt technology. And then the, the last bit, it, which is a longer part of the roadmap, I agree, but is is hopes that you can create, in particular for kind of early-stage companies, more liquidity. Because you know tokenization in, in can can lead to the creation, as you've seen with say crypto, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin exchanges to to you know decentralized regulated MTFs that allow for early stage companies to get liquidity without necessarily having to go through the complicated listing process of one of the main market exchanges. Can we
0: quantify the, the the possible savings? I mean, I know from reading various press reports that you know if you want to do an IPO in the US, you probably have to pay seven percent or more of your the, the, the capital you raise to to the investment bank that's sponsoring your uh, equity issuance and, and to other intermediaries. I mean,
1: is it is it much cheaper than what your I mean, it, yeah, kind of structure you're outlining? It's not necessarily apples to apples with the full IPO, but yes, I and mean, I think in, in a lot of ways. You can bring equity to market now, in the same way that crowdfunding does this, at a, you know a much lower cost than what you would have done in the past, with a lot less uh, need for intermediation and regulation. Now, this doesn't mean, and I'll be honest, it doesn't mean that we you know we see this kind of crypto anarchic, deregulated, disintermediated market because that's not going to happen. You still need kind of levels of intermediation, um, in particularly around diligence and around disclosure. But what I think, I think what you know, blockchain will allow, for example, it, uh, you could see, for example, e prospectus coming up. So, you know, an ability one of the biggest costs for an issuer is to just kind of create uh, disclosure documents and constantly update them. And you could use this technology to to make that a lot more efficient over time, both the, the production of a standardized prospectus, as well as kind of giving more real time updates to 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 investors as to you know what the numbers are. As you know, right now it's kind of reporting something a quarterly you know, um, an annual basis, you could see kind of blockchain allowing for distribution of information to investors on in a much more real time way. So, um, you know, the, the, the real savings I think right now, you know, and it hasn't gone all the way to the IPO space where we are now predominantly is early stage startups doing kind of almost crowdfunding. So looking to tap the pool of investors who are interested in buying their equity in token form.
0: Okay, so you're targeting uh, companies that would otherwise be going around venture capital firms and... Yeah, uh,
1: yeah we're looking to kind of side-by-side, side, if not somewhat disrupt the the, the early-stage financing. So in the same way that crowdfunding, traditional crowdfunding does that, uh, we're doing that as well and, and and looking to kind of target those companies that are, are involved in you know the digital assets, the blockchain space from a technological perspective, who then want to issue their equity in that form. And then we're, we're kind of building out one of the, the key verticals we have is building out the distribution network to sell those those uh, security tokens to a wide range of investors, including retail. So, in a traditional kind of crowdfunding way, as well as kind of improving and increasing the adoption among investors with 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 more money. So, high net worth individuals, family offices, moving to, you know private banks all the way up, hopefully into you know in ultimately into. You know, multi-asset fund managers like usage funds, and, and even you know, pension insurance companies, for you know, a longer kind of adoption.
0: So, so you, you mentioned earlier that um, tokenizing securities in this way could, in theory, help you to get around some of the inefficiencies in the traditional market. Whether that's. Uh, the clearing house or the custodian yeah. or the central securities depository or the transfer agent I mean to what extent if you're trying to do securities token offerings in a regulated format to what extent are you forced to use some of those entities uh, by by law because I know that in Europe there's a you know, CSD regulation and uh, many cases you know, I'm sure there are lots of other ca- examples of you know of, of things being Required by uh, by the existing legal framework.
1: That's the, you're 100 percent spot on. That's one of the reasons I say that kind of the, the true liquidity in the secondary market is 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 a longer term roadmap, mainly it, because of that regulatory issue. I mean, blockchain can definitely get be um, or you know these databases, decentralized database, could very much disrupt um, financial markets infrastructure by eliminating some of these intermedia- inter- intermediaries. But the, the issue is, of course, they are now required by law. So you know we're looking at ways of kind of hoping to, to chip away at at their role while at the same time maintaining the regulatory infrastructure that that sees them involved. So yes, if you build an MTF or or an exchange, you need a CSD, right? You know, although in, in many ways, kind of a properly running uh, blockchain, you know, recording security tokens doesn't need that because settlement can be much more simultaneous, and you don't need you know, you don't need a clearinghouse. Um, but a lot of the, the current regulations require that. So it's still very much an industry endeavor to figure out how we can use the technology to complement and work alongside those regulations and ultimately to bring the regulators to a point where they feel more comfortable giving us some leeway. I and mean, we are in a, to be fair, in Europe in particular, I think less so in the United States, a fairly collaborative regulatory framework. I mean, so the UK, you know, the FCA is very much um, involved in, Kind of allowing firms like ours, we're, you know, we're in one of the sandbox cohorts, hoping to come out uh, the next couple of weeks, or, or maybe a month or so, you know, um, and, and other firms and, you know, other kind of European regulators in Switzerland and Malta, and even all the way down into, although slightly slower, to ESMA, I mean, they're looking at how this technology can be used. So there is this, I wouldn't say permissive, but at least there's a collaborative um, willingness on behalf of the regulators to engage with us and to figure out where the technology plays a part.
0: Could you talk more broadly about um the regulatory framework worldwide because it's it uh again for, you know for an outside observer I mean just uh, I I know that you're a lawyer by training um for an outside observer it's uh it's difficult to understand sometimes what regulators are thinking um where things are heading there's a kind of patchwork of different uh laws and regulations in, in different markets you know where is this all heading yeah, so when I mean, it
1: comes to digital assets I mean you know, the reality is modern capital markets, so the the markets in which people raise kind of debt and equity have always been at their heart kind of based on nation state ideas, right? Like very much regional, if you will, in terms of, you know, there's never been a global capital markets infrastructure, nor has there ever been really kind of regulatory convergence of rules. So, you know, you've had kind of, even within Europe, you've had capital markets develop Obviously, in you know, in London, the LSE and all the capital raising goes there. Say in Germany, Deutsche Börse, in Italy, Borsa Italiana, in France, with Euronext. Now, the EU obviously harmonized a lot of that for Europe, but then the European rules are dramatically different than what goes on in the United States. And of course, the United States and Europe are dramatically different than what goes on, in, say, Hong Kong, mainland China, Singapore, um, and other Asian com- you know other Asian countries. So. The reality is, you know, you have this kind of capital markets infrastructure globally that is very much decided on a regional basis, but the technology now, given the, 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 the internet and, and obviously the ease of access, um, allows for kind of much uh, for globalization of that infrastructure. So that's, that's the tension, right? You know, so that's the, the underlying tension of, of why there's, there's like different rates of development now in, in terms of the actual regulation, um, that's still developing, but by and large, we believe that, you know, or the way we're working is that we consider most of these like securities offerings. So we are going to comply, you know, with the the, the relevant securities laws and the jurisdictions in which we kind of work. And that involves, for example, getting, you know, regulated to do crowdfunding and also under, under the FCA um, conduct of business rules. And then we'll passport that throughout Europe. And then, you know, we're obviously we're in Dubai and we're, in, we're getting a broker dealer license in Dubai and working with Malta to set up a regulated MTF. So, we are, you know, it's token market, you know, very much um, adamant about doing this within the context of all of the relevant laws. Now, when the industry developed, as I was saying before, you know, a lot of companies were simply trying to raise funds, sell services, while at the same time claiming not to be subject to securities laws. And, you know, in the U.S. in particular, the SEC, because of the, the legal framework there, it takes a very broad view of what is a security So you're now seeing a lot of those companies who tried to issue in the US, in the United States, these, these these utility tokens and say, Hey, we're not a security, the SEC is um, engaging enforcement actions, in fact, they're suing them. So you might've come across in the press, kind of the, the kick messaging app, you know, it's one of the most popular cases now as to the SEC application. There were others, you know, where the SEC is, they kind of issued a cease and desist letter to companies like Munchie and say, look, if you want to issue these tokens, you know, you need to comply with securities laws. But the problem is once you get into that space, it can be, as we were saying, quite costly. So, um, you know, the SEC, the, the U.S. regime is very much kind of trying to find a way to bring the industry in line with what they're doing. And, and you know, we uh, in Europe, because of the collaborative regime, have an opportunity to kind of talk to regulators, but to make sure that we comply with the local laws.
0: What, what, what would you make of the initial exchange offering? Um... Uh, Development, you know, we, it it seems to be an evolution of initial coin offerings with, with some cryptocurrency or digital asset exchanges playing the role of an intermediary in this case and saying look we're 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 doing some kind of due diligence on the projects that we sponsor we'll take a commission for for listing those tokens on our marketplace it it
1: is Um, it is a a much more of a i mean it's a less it's an unregulated evolution of what was going on in the in the initial coin offering so maybe again utility tokens being listed but again, all those exchanges are unregulated um, and there's there's a real question as to the economic value or utility of the instruments. To, now, now, there's some really innovative stuff coming out, you know, in some of those places. And, you know, I, and I will say this, I mean, there is something to be, there's something to follow. If you take, for example, um, uh, you know, a classic case Bitfinex. So it's an exchange that obviously ran recently into some problems with the New York Attorney General. Uh, And essentially, accusations or allegations of potential fraud. And you know, Bitfinex was able, according to to them, to raise over a billion dollars by issuing one by doing an IEO on their own exchange with their own new token.
0: Yeah, within a couple of weeks of being sued by the attorney
1: general, and and you know, and anyone who doesn't who doesn't think this market is disrupt or or that tokens are, are disrupting traditional capital markets just isn't paying attention because. I mean, and you can talk about whether that's right or good, but the reality is, you know, 10 years ago, if a company had been sued by by a, a, a meaningful enforcement agency like the New York Times General and then needed to raise a billion dollars, you know, and had gone to traditional capital markets, they would have been laughed out of, you know, any, you know, rational investment bank to simply saying, we can't do it. But, you know, Bitfinex was able to tap a pool of liquidity for up to a billion dollars raised in over 10 days by doing a completely novel instrument. Now that instrument, interestingly enough, you know, go back is, is a strange, is a very much, it is a hybrid of, and it can be viewed both as kind of a utility token because it gives you a discount on, on fees when you trade on their exchange. But it also has elements of debt because in a lot of ways they do promise to pay you back. They promise to buy it back from you. Um, and then also it looks a lot like a convertible note. So it, you know these th- this is where some of the product innovation that, that what they call tokenomics, which is the economics of these tokens and how they work um, you know is going to continue to push the push the envelope and and this is happening mostly in what I'll call permissive jurisdictions, places where you know regulators just threw up their hands and said, you know we are not we're going to more or less take you at your word um, and if you say it's a utility, it's a utility and then it's only offered to people in those kind of permissive jurisdictions. That tends to exclude both a a vast bulk of Europe, you know, you look in Europe, Italy is very much aggressively going after token issuers like that, and also in the United States. So that pool of liquidity tends to sit mainly in in Asia, along like serious high net worth individuals and other kind of family offices who are are looking to take an interest in that. But the, the fact that that pool is there, and it is being tapped by this industry, and without any need for an investment bank or intermediation or traditional debt or equity markets is something that everyone has to be aware of because it's a radical development.
0: So everyone should be paying close attention to what's going on. I mean, uh, out
1: there. Or, or any who's interested in, in kind of the way financial markets work yeah. should be paying attention to this industry. Cause it is, it is despite all of, uh, the bubbles and, and the fraud allegations, which some of which are many of which in you know 2017 and 18 were, were, were accurate despite the hiccups. I mean, it's like the internet of, you know, 98 to 2001, you know, the, you know, the, the, equivalent, you know, fiber optic network cables are being laid and and the industry is moving along and things are changing at a tremendously quick pace. So if we had to keep
0: an eye on, on a few kind of select developments in this, um, In this area, what would they be? I mean, you mentioned Bitfinex and its token, which you know is a, a month a month old. Um, you know, what else should we we be keeping an eye on?
1: We obviously hope we keep an eye on what we're doing. Um, you know, we we just uh, just plug plug the market. We we just you know um, we're in the pro- we just kind of gotten confirmation from the FCA that we can begin our begin our testing to come out of the sandbox. And we're going to do that with our own uh, security token offering, um, just to, to get out of the testing. You know, we're not um, we're you know kind of a, a limited offering. Of our own equity, um, so that's you know, it, there's that development, which is a kind of a, a more of a, a close to home. Broadly, more broadly speaking, I think is to look at. I think most interesting for you know people is to look at the institutional adoption of the technology. Look at you know areas where kind of tokenization, blockchain, digital assets can really disrupt at what I'll say you know, the the big banks. So you are seeing some of that. You know, you saw you know, uh, about six, nine months ago, did a tokenized debt offering arranged between, so they use their own infrastructure to issue debt in token form on a bilateral basis between, you know, one issuer and one, one investor, you know, sock recently did a test on this. So what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of the investment banks begin to figure out where they can apply this technology to their own business. So that's in addition to the crowdfunding kind of, um, Early stage financing work. You're going to see the large banks trying to understand. You know, there's the J.P. Morgan kind of coin that came out where they're using a a a, a token to effectively um, make their kind of global transaction services cash business much more efficient. So instead of you know, if a company wants to you know transfer cash from subsidiary A to subsidiary you know in in let's say in London to a subsidiary you know in the Cayman Islands. You know, JP Morgan owns like 70% of that transfer business, but it's incredibly efficient going through wires. They can represent that with a token and create tremendous amount of efficiency. So there's a lot of institutional adoption that's going to continue.
0: And the potential losers from these developments, we're talking about central banks, clearing houses, traditional custodians, who's who's under most threat?
1: I think if you know um, anyone who right now is responsible for kind of the, the database management of kind of reconciling transactions or being involved in kind of as the, the security layer and the transfer needs to figure out how this, how this technology is going to disrupt that infrastructure and where it's going to impact them. So you're right. A transfer agent, registration agents, or, you know, administrators, all the way up to the CSDs, and the clearing houses, like, you know, they either need to adopt the, 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 the technology to make sure that, you know, it, it, they can make their operations as efficient as possible um, or to understand like, you know, whether you know how because i mean the last place you said is, is the financial markets infrastructure is all this layer of of kind of database management recording securities transactions is still quite inefficient and i think you know this technology that's where a lot of the big so not you know technology providers that the, the software as a service providers are they're looking to disrupt that so those guys definitely need to be and then you know watching and then finally obviously people who are involved in capital formation and again go back to the bitfinex case i mean That traditionally would have generated very lucrative fees for some boutique investment bank. But in fact, these guys were able to tap a pool of liquidity, a billion dollars in 10 days with no need for someone actually engaged in a capital raising.
0: Thank you for listening to this New Money Review podcast, The Future of Money in 30 Minutes. You can support New Money Review by visiting patreon.com, P A T R E O N, forward slash New Money Review, and becoming a patron of the site. Your support will help us cover this fast growing area of finance independently and in depth. You can also support us in cryptocurrency. Our wallet addresses for Bitcoin, Ether, and Litecoin are published on the home page of our website in the right margin.